Welcome to May the Podcast Be With You. I'm Stephen Mather, solicitor and your business lawyer. I help small and medium-sized business owners and directors manage their legal problems. But more than that, I like to enjoy life, smile and learn from others. So this podcast is a way to help me and you learn how to be successful, whatever that may mean. Welcome along to May the Podcast Be With You. My name's Stephen Mather, and today I'm joined by Joe Burns. Uh, Joe's an, an IT expert, an ethical hacker, but I'll let him, him introduce himself. Joe, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. So my name's Joe. I've been in business for, well, since 2005. I've been running IT companies uh, ever since, really. And uh, my background is that I've scaled and sold uh, a previous IT uh, managed services business, as they're kind of called now, managed service provider business. Uh, and and then in October uh, 2019, I started the journey again from scratch with a couple of like co-founded a new business called Reformed IT with a couple of guys that I'd worked with in the previous business. So I've started the journey again. Uh, we're nearly three years into that. And my experience has been uh, a lot different this time around to the first time running a business. So happy to share my thoughts on that. Yeah. How, how's it been different? Tell us. So obviously the first time when you start a business, I think one of the things that new business owners do is they they think I need to win new clients. I, went, I need to win new business. And so you go chasing anything. You chase any type of business you can because you want money coming into the business. And I think one of the big revelations I've had from you know starting again from scratch is that that isn't necessarily the right way to do it. If you go chasing any business and you take on whatever you see and whatever comes along, you tend to find that it doesn't really fit your long-term objectives and goals. So this time around, we've been way more selective with how we take on clients, who we take on as a client. There needs to be a good fit. We need to believe that we can add value to that business and that they're going to recognize the value in us as well. So that's one of the key differentiators, I'd say, that's happened since the first time to this is that something that um that you have the luxury of being able to do having sold a previous business and, and therefore you're not uh like you know starting from scratch like some small businesses doing and, and going right i need to put some food on the table yeah i think that's a it is a key point i've had the confidence of doing it once before and from a financial perspective in a more comfortable position where the nerves and the fear of starting a business and what might happen are no longer uh, as prevalent as they were the first time around. Mm. So I think that's absolutely true. The one thing, though, is I think the mindset is more important. So yes, there is a difference in the way that we've gone about it this time, but that's not to say that somebody who isn't in the same position can't have the same mindset and mentality to do the same thing and the same confidence to do it. Uh, So Yes, it's been better for me, I think, this time around. But I think that um, with a bit of guidance and a bit of help and understanding, I think any new business owner could could take on the same philosophy. The the philosophy being be selective with your clients. Don't just take any any dross. So I, I know I know when I, I, I I've been a lawyer for fifteen plus years. I set up um, in business just just at the start of twenty twenty, and. Um, 
And because I've been in business for such a long time, I already have that same viewpoint, which is, you know, I don't need to do everything that comes in the door. Um, there's, you know, there's lots of times where uh, it, it, it's work that, for me at least, doesn't interest me and it doesn't, doesn't sort of float my boat, uh, doesn't pay well enough, doesn't X, Y, and Z. And so I, I was um, already of that kind of mindset, actually, do you know what, I'm going to select select the type of client that I want to work with. I want to enjoy the work. I want to, you know, work with people that like what like working with me, um, and I enjoy working with them. But it's difficult when you're a, when you're a new business. And, and I think I would really struggle with that if I was just brand new into into business and not having you know all of that experience, like you say that um, the fear of well where's the where's the work going to come from? And so what would you what would you say to somebody that's in that situation? They are you know a new starter. How do they overcome that fear? Yeah, I, I think it's it is one of those things. If they've never been through it before, the instinct, like we say, is to is to jump on any kind of opportunity and think that you've got to take that kind of work. Uh, I think working with a coach or a mentor quite often who has had that experience and understands uh, that it's not all about jumping on every every opportunity and weighing up which ones are within your goals and which ones aren't. Uh, I think the key the key when you start a business is to <laughs> I know it sounds straightforward and it's like business 101 but it's to have a plan a business plan but so many business owners go into business without that plan <clears throat> without that um outcome that goal what do they want to achieve from it when do they want to achieve it how are they going to get there there's a lot i think where people stumble into business so in my industry particularly in it services what i see is that people are working in either for another IT business or they're in an internal IT department and they think, you know, I could do this for other for other companies. Yeah. And they create a job for themselves. Yeah. So they leave they leave employment and they go, all I need to do is provide the same thing that I know that I can do um, to clients and pay myself a wage. And that's how they think they need to they need to replace their wage with income from other clients. And I have to repeatedly say to people like that, that's not it's not building a business. That's just creating a different job, you know. So, and and it's not to say that that's wrong for certain people either. That might be the goal. That might be the outcome. I want, you know, flexibility. I want to control my own hours. I don't want to work for another boss. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that particular attitude at all. But it, I think in your head, you've got to decide what it is you want from the business. What are the goals? What are the outcomes? Yeah. What do you want to achieve with it? And make sure that your plan aligns with that goal, uh, whatever it might be. Mm. No, I think I think that's right. I, I had a coach uh, early days um, said the same thing. You know, just be careful you don't buy yourself a job. Mm. And um, and and actually, as I've at that time, you know, it was really important. I was thinking, yeah, I'm gonna, I, you know, I was growing a law firm, running a law firm, and um, and I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. This is, you know, all, all of these big ambitions and that kind of thing. And now, um, actually, I'm quite. Uh, I'm reasonably content with the fact that I have a job, um, mm. albeit one that I get to control, and not a business. Because um, I, I, what I realised is, you know, things like running uh, running business and uh, staff and regulatory stuff and compliance and all of that kind of thing weren't stuff that I actually enjoyed. Um, and and yet I spent 15, 20 years thinking I'm going to be a business. What I want to do is be a business owner. I want to run a business. I want to do this and do that. Um, and I've 
run lots of businesses actually not just the law one but sort of beside the, behind the scenes more of what people might call these days a, a side hustle um nothing much more than that but in a, in terms of a core business i had like 50 staff five offices and um and, and i kind of go for, for for what benefit yeah for, mm-hmm. for what real benefit it was it was great to employ people and pay people and let them enjoy life and uh, go on holiday and all this that and the other but Actually, I'm I'm much happier now because I have some time. I'm you know going to go swimming a little, little bit later on, and you know not have to worry about uh, you know targets and compliance and and, and appeasing everybody and, and that kind of thing. Um, so going back to the the first business, then how, what what did you do when was it always in your mind that you were going to grow a business to sell, or did that just happen by chance? Yeah, it's interesting with that one. No, it wasn't. It wasn't pre-planned on on that business to to build a business to a certain point and sell it. Uh, it was, uh, a little, I'd say, a little bit by chance and a little bit by change of uh, change of attitudes. As as myself and my uh, my business partner were were growing the business, we realised because that was going for eleven years before it was eventually acquired, and then I continued to grow the business. I stayed in with the new owners for a further three years after after that, uh, continuing to grow the business. But the reason we ended up selling was because we had a myself and my business partner had a, a, a difference of ambition and goal. We we were going on different trajectories, different paths, and and it was making decisions within that business difficult because obviously if we had completely different paths that we wanted to go on, then the the actions needed to get there were also different, which meant that we were finding that decisions were slower or we couldn't come to decisions at at times. And that led to us basically deciding that we needed to part ways and separate in in the business. And there was a a point where I was, uh, where I was contemplating buying out my business partner and continuing to run the business but I wasn't just going to pluck up a value between the two of us. We didn't want to agree a value by me suggesting something, him suggesting something, and then potentially arguing about what that value would be. Yeah. And my, I've always been told, you know, a value of anything is what somebody else is prepared to pay for it. So we figured that a good way to resolve the situation was to, uh, to look to outside uh, acquirers, somebody that could come along and what if they wanted to offer a certain amount of money, I just wanted the option of first refusal on buying him out with 50% of that value. So that's what we did. But we also said that if an offer comes along and we both want to take it, you know, we will look at that as well. And and ultimately that's that's what happened. Um, we ended up selling the business. I carried on within uh, the business and he exited uh, pretty soon after the acquisition. And, and how, did, how did you find that process? Obviously, I'm, I'm a lawyer that deals with um, you know business sales uh, all the time. I'm, I'm actually just about finishing a book about how to sell a business. So, what, what were your experiences of it? How, how did you feel about that process? You know, from sort of start to finish, going out to you know the, the market, as it were, and, and all the way up to completion and getting paid. What, what did that feel like for you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about how stress it, it is quite, it can be a stressful experience, obviously, selling a business and, and anything when you're selling something particularly significant as a business, and, and you've got the negotiation stage, and you're obviously going to value it higher um, in your own mind, because of all the blood, sweat and tears you've put into it than somebody that's coming along and thinking, right, how, do, how quickly can we get a return from this acquisition, you're obviously going to have different viewpoints on what the value is. But to be 
to be completely honest, the negotiation wasn't that tricky. Um, we got to a point where we we agreed a value uh, between us. And, and then in terms of the whole process of actually completing the acquisition, it took some time. It, it was a lengthy process with a lot of detail involved in it and a lot of reading 100-page documents and things like that. But it, but it wasn't too bad. I, I can't I can't sit here and say, oh, it was awful because it wasn't actually that bad. It was a lengthy process and we had to go through it. Uh, but all in all, it, it went fairly smoothly. And, and then obviously, I think partly because of, I was staying on. So for me, it was very much that I needed to keep relationships strong, both with the sure. existing team and also the the new owners of the business. I needed good relationships with people. So that was really important uh, to me particularly. And and yeah, I think it, it went well. As I say, I stayed on for three years because it was it was still working and we were all still passionate and hungry for it. So yeah, I think it worked. So so what changed after the three years then? So we got to a point where obviously we'd grown, I had certain targets in my head that I wanted to achieve with the business. So just for, for context, uh, by the, at the point when we were deciding that we were looking to maybe you know, exit the business or part ways, we were, we were up to a, a turnover of around about a million pounds, just shy of a million pounds. And we wanted to get, I personally wanted to get the business over 1.5 million uh, within three years. Uh, and, and so I had a pretty clear goal in my head where I was going to take the business to Anyway, that's where I wanted to take the business to. Obviously, it was acquired, but in my head, that was still a, a target that I wanted to achieve. Within three years, we got the business up to 1.6 million turnover. And I feel like I am very goal and target driven. So when, once I get to a certain point, I need another one. You know, I need a new goal or something else to, to, to keep me motivated, to keep me pushing. So I, I figured I'd kind of like taken that as far as I was you know, I wanted to take it, I'd hit the goals, I'd hit what I wanted to achieve. And amicably, myself and uh, and the the new owners, I said, look, to take this business to a higher value, realistically, I need to not be in it. <clears throat> because if anyone ever looks to acquire the group, which I was now part of, I I said, they're going to look at me as a key player. I was now the group, uh, the group managing director. And, and I said, they're going to look at me as if I'm pivotal if I can step away from the business and it can continue to run based on the teams that we've built, that's going to increase the valuation uh, of the company. Uh, and equally, I want a new challenge. You know, I want to go and do something else now. So, yeah, that's kind of where it got to. Um, so, uh, so obviously, then you, you you left there, but you're still goal uh, goal driven, target driven, and and so is that was that. Um, three years and then you kind of left did you have a break and then go do you know what I want to get back into the same thing or, or was there something else that happened in, in between what what happened yeah so obviously once when I sold the business and then eventually exited uh, the wife was pretty you know chuffed that I might see her more <laughs> spend more time at home and I did I did and, a and then of... two days later when I just gotta go and get a job Joe go <laughs> and get a job somewhere yeah um yeah and then, so I started doing consultancy coaching those kind of things you know to fill to fill the to fill the gap and to keep myself uh, engaged and entertained essentially so I started bits of consultancy uh, bits of coaching and and it wasn't me actually that that said oh let's go again the guys, I'd got 
a couple of guys, Scott and Joe, who had actually worked within the, the last business, uh, within the team in the last business, and they were eager to start an IT company of their own. And they'd been through this journey, you know, they'd, they'd been loyal to the business for, for a long time, but they wanted to do them, something them, uh, for themselves as well. So uh, they basically approached me and said, we're thinking about starting an IT company. Could we get you on board? Would you be willing to help? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I love a challenge. Let's let's have a go and 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 do a second a second try, basically. Yeah, see if you can do it again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and the other thing as well, from that perspective, I'm seeing if we can do it again. Was that to a lot of people that we we were a successful business. We got to you know 1.6 million as a an IT MSP. There's not a lot of IT MSP businesses that get over a million. There's not a lot of I think what is it less than five percent of all businesses in the UK get to over a million pound turnover anyway. Mm. So we're even at that point, we're in a, you know, we'd probably be regarded as quite successful. But in my view, taking 11 years to get to that point, to the million pound plus, for me, seemed slow, really. And we, I, wanted, I wanted to see if I could do it better. Obviously, new team, new directors, new co-founders in the business and with their own different skills and passions and, and, and drive again. So that helps massively. But like we said at the start, I think it helped having the three of us because I've had the experience of build, building and growing the business. And whereas a lot of new business owners will go in and get and take any, any client they want, I was like, right, let's just be a bit patient. Let's win the right ones. It might take a little bit longer to get the right ones, but it's it'll do us more favors in the long run and, and, and we'll grow better and quicker if we do it that way. And, and that's what that essentially is what is what's happened. We're now, we're nearly three years into the business and we're coasting towards a million pound turnover for this, for this financial year in, in under three years. So, so significantly different to the, to the first time around. Yeah. And, and um, can you, <clears throat> do, do you want to disclose what your, your target and timeframe was? for it for, for the, for for, the for new, business. new business yeah yeah so for the new business uh it was to get to a one point well it was based on a lot around value so when we sat around and there's three of us in the, in the business and it was based around the value of the company and initially when we sat around we said oh wouldn't it be nice if we could get to i know this sounds specific but 1.2 million valuation right within three within three years essentially that's what, that's what we were looking to do. Now, some of that stems from my own personal financial golf targets as well. So I, I'd, I'd got, I, I was thinking, you know, between the three of us, that's four hundred thousand pounds of value each. That puts me on a milestone that I wanted to achieve personally. So, uh, combined with obviously my my previous build uh, uh, building of, of the last business and the exit from that. So yeah, that's that's my, that's how we came up with it. But as we've been growing the business, we've started to get more ambitious because we've seen, you know, we've, we've seen that this is working and we've seen that it's, we're, we're ticking the boxes and we're doing them probably quicker than we actually thought we were going to do. Yeah. So now we have pretty ambitious growth plans to take us to uh, a 10 million valuation uh, within the next three to five years. That's kind of like the, the, the benchmark. And then, and then exit out at that point. It's, it's not going to be it's not as defined as an exit i don't think i think to me it's the it's the understanding that the the business is at at that value at, at that point we are obviously looking at, at what we would do 
at that point. And the three of us are in different positions in our lives as well. Obviously, I've been there, done it, sold the business before. Um, I'm older than the other two uh, co-founders. Uh, so we're at different points in our lives anyway. So uh, so there could be a part exit where I could potentially exit and you know sell the shares to the other two. Um, or but we've looked at other things as well. Uh, so we've set up an EMI scheme and, and 10% of the business is, is allocated to an EMI pool, which we're going to, uh, which hopefully will get people, our talented team that are coming on board, we'll keep them interested and keep them yep. motivated. Yep. Uh, we also, uh, we also have seen our clients doing employee owned trusts, which looks like a, a really cool thing to do as well as to build a business mm-hmm. for the benefit of the employees coming into the business and let them share in the success and, and, and grow it. And, and that's part of this, EMI as well as thinking, well, what do we want? You know, who do we want it to benefit? Uh, obviously, we're thinking about ourselves as well, financial goals for our, ourselves personally. But at the same time, we're thinking who else can we benefit and who else can feel the benefit of the growth of the company? So so, so how do you get there? How do you take a business from, from one to five to 10 million? Not done it yet. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, but what's the plan? You talked about having a plan. So it's not it's not just a, a willy-nilly aim. It's you, You've got to have planned it and worked out what you're going to do. So how, how, what's the plan look like? Yeah, okay. So basically, I, I always talk about this thing called an orbit chart, which is like a top level. Uh, we, did, we did this as part of our growth strategy in the last business, Pyranet, uh, where we did an orbit chart. It's like a dartboard. You start in the center of the dartboard with where you're at now, and then you do one, two, and three years. And the thing I like about doing an orbit chart on a piece of paper is it's very visual. It's very simple. It's not like delving down into Excel and things like that. You're just going, right, where do we want the, what's your ultimate goal? Is it, you know, profit, value of the business, turnover? But you put something down for three years from now, and then you you kind of reverse engineer everything. So you go, well, if we need the value to be 10 million, so on the multipliers that we're looking at for a, an IT business, which could be anywhere between six and twelve at the minute, I'm hearing from the from the industry, oh. uh, depending on on other factors. But you know, if they're the multipliers, what do we need the profit to be? So if we need a profit of million million pound a year, how do we get to a million pound a year profit? And then, so what would the turnover need to be to do that at our current net profit percentage? So, so it's all that you kind of, do, but you do it on one sheet of paper, so it makes it yeah. very easy for everyone to to see and contribute and understand. Uh, so that's what we did. And then I've subsequently, because you can't just do it on one sheet of paper, there's a lot more planning that goes into it than that. So I've then transferred that into an Excel sheet. So we've basically mapped out. Well, that's our year end. That's where we need to get to for year one, year two, year three. And uh, so that's the, the turnover value and the, and the profit that we need to achieve. Um, how do we do that? How many people do we need? How many clients do we need? What does the average recurring revenue need to be per client to get us there? And the great thing about doing that exercise is when you start to understand what you need to get to your endpoint, it makes it so much clearer as to what to say no to. Mm. Because, because I know what our average recurring revenue per client needs to be, that gives me a, an understanding of what the type of business is that's going to come in on that level. And if they're not at that level, then we just say no, because it's not actually getting us to the goal. It's taking us further away from the goal because we're going to have to do more work on less money to actually get us to that point. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of uh, really, really good way of looking at it, isn't it? Um, working out all of those stats and, and data to be able to go, this isn't the job for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I say it, it, 
it definitely definitely works. It makes it so much easier to say no because, again, going back to the, the top of the conversation, talking about you know what's a good client and what's not not a good client. How do you know that unless you've built unless you've built your plan as to what a good client looks like, how much they need to spend, what the profitability is from from a typical client? Unless you know those things, you're just working blind essentially. You're just guessing. And and then from experience, I've noticed that you get three or four years down the road, and then you look at your client base and go. We're only making we're only making any any money out of the top 10 20 percent of our clients the rest of them yeah. are costing us yeah. and then you have to go through an exercise of of, of either uh, upselling to your to your clients that you aren't making any profit on or you need to get rid of them and that's a time consuming problematic exercise that saps a load of time and just takes your focus away from actually building the right the right business in the first place mm-hmm. um, so obviously you're a, you're a, you're a planner type. Um, uh, do you do you put that same level of planning and effort into? I, I, I wrote an article once about personal KPIs. Um, you know, there's, I, my my strong belief is that there's no point in being in business if it's just to hit a specific target or make some money. It's one of the things I realised. I used to have a target. Hey, I want to take this business to ten million. And I re- now I go, why? Why? What actually did you want to get out of that? So I have personal KPIs and build them into the plan as well. Do you, do you do that? Do you have sort of looked at what you're doing on a effectively running this business? What does it give me and what I'm, and, and why do I want to achieve this? Yeah, I, I'm probably not so good at that as, as, as I am with the business planning. However, I would, I would agree that, I, well, for one, I do, I do a, a, a lot of the same planning and metric financial planning in my personal life as I do in the business, but the why, uh, there are certain things that obviously me and, and, and my wife want you know personally not not just you know we love going on cruises we we've got two more cruises booked uh, for the next two or three months and we've already done two so that's four in four in a year you know if we can maintain and carry on going right we're going to take four seven to, to 14 night holidays per year because we're doing it so that we can enjoy our lives and and, and go and see places that's important the one thing that i think is quite interesting obviously with with talk to you, Stephen. I can't remember if you if you remember, but a LinkedIn post where you kind of put what's on your bucket list, and and I and I responded to that saying, "Oh, do you know what? I'd love to I'd love to fly a plane mm. and possibly even get a pilot's license." And I think your response to my comment was, "Well, what's stopping you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's a great point. What is stopping me from doing that? Like, I've, I'm now in this position where I could do that. I could spend some time to do that." So I've got another lesson today at half Brilliant. one and I was on a lesson yesterday. And, and again, I, I have personal things like that because I'm so target driven. I want to then put something in this. I want to put a line and go, right, I want to do this by that point. And yeah. I'm driven towards towards doing that. I, I, I feel um, so. I, I'm kind of target. If someone was to give me a target or set myself a target, um, I will absolutely hit it. Um, mm. And and I, I've always been that kind of, you know, that's that's what I'm going to do. I think these days I, I, I'm probably out of laziness. I sometimes maybe don't set the target myself personally. Don't set the target because then I go, well, that's just easier then. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I know I know what I know what kind of animal I'll turn into when I set a target. I I, I think yeah, I think I'm exactly the same. And I, I think when someone realizes that I've got something set it's very difficult to get in the way of that it's i'm going to be driven towards towards yeah. achieving whatever it is that, that that i've put down 
I've always said no, no one will have flies on me, and, and I, I, I'm terrible at running. Actual running, I'm, I'm, you know, in a race, a physical of activity, I'd always come last, so I'd never, never join in, I'd never compete. But uh, you know, in what I do on a sort of day-to-day basis, no one's going to touch me, mm. and, uh, and 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 that's it. And I, I'm always like, well, I'm going to be ahead of the pack, and I'll lead the way, and you guys can uh, can see where I'm going and follow me. Yeah, and, uh, I, I'm also yeah ridiculously competitive at anything so so if i'm competing in anything even if i'm rubbish at it i will still be wanting to win <laughs> you see that's where that's that's what's where we are slightly different is my my logic brain kicks in and says only be competitive in the stuff that you're going to win <laughs> that's uh, that's my like be and then be competitive and you'll win um but like i you know i'm i'm not going to go in a uh, you know, a hundred meter dad's race at the uh, sports day or something like that. Cause I'm going to lose, I'm going to come last and uh, I'm not going to, not going to get there. But no, I think it's, I think it's great, Joe, that, um, that, that you did. I mean, I'm, I'm, look, I'm not a life coach in any way, shape or form. I have no ambition to be anything like that. But um, I, I do, one of the things that I've always said I want to do, my kind of why is to make people uh, happy. And um, and I do that by way of delivering legal services. It just so happens that I can do that um, and take away some problems and issues. And, and, you know, they walk out, they feel a little bit less stressed, a little, little bit happier about stuff. Um, but doing what you've done and, you know, going, actually, yeah, why is that? Why? Here's something that I want to do, and why haven't I gone and done it? Mm. Because, it, like, time flies, doesn't it? Time time goes. Have you got Have you got kids, Joe? No, no, not at the moment. No kids. No. So, um, I've, I've got two kids, but time flies, and um, it's it very quickly kind of you look at you look at your life. It's really easy to kind of go, hey, look, I did this with my career. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I did really well, and then, um, and, and so what? One of the things, one of the stories that made me change uh, my approach to life was um, I was dealing with a senior director of a of a clothing retail company, and. Um, she was about fifty something ish, and uh, and being kind of forced out of the business because high fashion didn't really fit anymore. And um, and so I said to her, you know, what what are you going to do now? What's next? Usually, people at that kind of level they go straight into another job, you know, direct level. They know people that they're, they're going to go and work for a competitor, whatever it might be. And this woman turns around and says, "Do you know what, Stephen? I'm going to spend some time with my son." And uh, I don't really know him. He's like, I can't remember, 13 now. And um, I haven't really spent much time with him because it's always just been work, work, work. You know, I went back to work when I was, you know, when he was six months old and, and that's it. And I carried on working. And it really pained me. It was like really kind of stabbed me in the heart. My my kid at the time was, you know, maybe four or five, something like that. And it, it, it just made me go, yeah, why, why do we, why, why do we do, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, because that's not, it's not all just about, for me at least, it's not all just about, and, and, and you know, making this, hitting this target and making this money. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm interested in to know is, is do you have those things outside of this? Brilliant to have those targets and it's fantastic to see you hitting it and growing it. But actually what's, what comes next after that? Do you, know, do you just go, I've got, I've got the bug now. I'm going to do something, uh, something similar. Um, I've got, I've got another client that, um, He's he's uh, he's coach a few years ago working with a coach and basically it was like you know you need to make yourself redundant you know in the business you know get get to the point where the business completely runs without you you don't need to be involved and you just you know you're an investor effectively and and that's what he's done and um, 
and he's like, I don't really need to do anything now. What? What? Or well, what next? Surely, Neil, there's, there's something else, and that could be go and set it up again, replicate it, do do what you've done, and I guess you could do that. Again, you could do that again, or it might be that you go, well, actually, now I've sold it, and I can, I've got a million pound pot of you know money there, and that's enough for me to to carry on now until retirement, and I'll just do X, Y, and Z. Unlikely as an entrepreneur, you don't normally do that. But have you already started to think about uh, kind of what what might happen next? Yeah, I have. So. So yeah, like like you've just said, make yourself redundant is something that from the very start of, of reformed IT when we when we established it was something that I cemented in to our understanding of the business is that ultimately we need to make ourselves redundant. Like when we started that business, unlike most new businesses, we started hiring from day one. We didn't wait to try and uh, see what we could look after for so long ourselves. We just wanted to hire a team because we knew that we were building a business to grow, not trying to, as I say, create jobs for, for ourselves. And in terms of the future, and, and once we get to the point where I have made myself redundant completely in the business, I mean, if I'm completely honest, I don't do a great deal now. <laughs> so I'm mainly doing I'm mainly doing the business that's, development. That's what, that's what all the staff say as well, Joe. <laughs> I, know, yeah, I know, I get that a lot. Um, so, uh, but I don't do a great deal now. Uh, but it, that's the thing. One of the things that I think is is part of my ambition is to be able to pick and choose what I want to do based on whether I want to do it, you know, whether I enjoy it, whether I like doing something. So the reason I get involved in things now is not because necessarily I have to, it's because I like it. I enjoy the bits that I do and I enjoy helping people and developing people and, and working with clients. I enjoy it all. So, so that's what keeps me, keeps me in it. Um, so but going forwards, obviously, we get to a point where the business is built, there's a proper structure, there's a whole management team and everything in place. And us as, as the founders of the business, if I can basically pick and choose what, what I do with a day, I probably still want to keep an eye on the business because I'm interested in it. At the same time, I do like the idea of helping other business owners. I'd love to do, I know there's so many coaches about at the moment, mm. but specifically in my sector, as I've, I'll have done it twice, I, I want to help other IT business owners to to get to their goals and their visions and what they want. And just like you've been saying, it's a, it's a lot of, well, what do you want personally first? You know, like what's, what's important to you? I mean, for me, even though it sounds materialistic, you know, I do want the nice house, the nice car, the holidays and things like that. Uh, but at the same time, what I always say to my wife as well is, especially when we're on holiday as well, you can go and buy something or you can go and buy memories. And and for me, I love spending money on experiences and things that you know live in your memories for, for years to come rather than just an item. And I think the best example I've had of that, this isn't with my wife, so <laughs> but my, one of the moments that, that will go down in history and obviously before the chat, you were talking about the Man United shirts uh, that I've got in, in my office, but... I, I'm a big Man United fan, have been all my life, and I got the opportunity through a, an auction to basically buy, through a charity auction, to buy uh, an experience to play the class of 92. So Ryan Giggs, Paul Scott, oh, wow. Gary Neville, Phil Neville, and Nicky Butt. So, and I was like, this was just after I'd sold the business. I've got money in the bank account. I'm going, look, I'm, I'm having this. You know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Sure. I, I, am, I am having I'm having this. Yeah. And and so we did. So I bought the, the auction prize and I got a, a five-a-side team together and we played football in the, uh, the top floor of their hotel, which is a five-a-side pitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I got to play football against the class of 92, which was amazing experience. Amazing. So who won? 
uh, yeah, we did. No, we didn't. We got absolutely slaughtered. Uh, they, don't, they don't even they don't even make it look like they're trying as well. But the uh, yeah, it's does your does your wife know how much you spent on that? Yeah, she does. I took. I did take her little brother because he's a big Man United fan as well. So is it? Yeah, and and your wife's going. I can't believe you spent all that money. And you're like, well, here's some flower flowers. Will that do? What about flowers and chocolates? <laughs> all right, then I'll take you on holiday. We don't talk about it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was a, such, such a good experience. Like I say, the memories of that. I'll be, I'll, I just told you. I tell everybody about it. When, I can imagine. When, yeah, must must have been re- really up there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, great moment. So um, so something like that. When when you're looking at uh, what success means to you, um, memories and experiences like that. Is that is that when you know? Yeah. Do you know what I've I've made it? I've I've got a quote success of my life. I, you know, I've done all right. Yeah, well, it's funny. Someone, a client of mine, <clears throat> someone called Ian, once said to me, he said a, a few wise words to me. He used to go out to the pub on a Wednesday night for a pub quiz. I, I obviously get on really well with a lot of our clients. But, <clears throat> um, but yeah, so we'd, we would go out to the pub on a Wednesday, Wednesday night, get on really well with, uh, with our clients. But he once said to me, he said, I always wanted to get to the point where if somebody asked me whether I wanted to do something... I would answer based on whether I wanted to do it, not whether I could afford to do it. And that played on my mind a little bit. I was like, oh, wouldn't that be a, a nice position to be in to, to just know that if you wanted to do something that you could, you could do it and you could, you could say yes to, to things that ordinarily you might, might need to say no to so mm. so that's lived on my on in my mind for, for yeah. quite a while the, fo- the football game is is kind of like that because you know it it didn't cost you 150 quid for it so they you, you turn around and go do you do you want this you know yeah they, if they turn around to you and said do you, you do you want this and it's you know a million quid yeah. and you go I, well I, I do but I can't say yes to that right now yeah, ex- yeah. exactly and and like I said not everything's driven by by money and that might be how it <clears throat> um that might be how it sounds and comes across but i do think that whatever it is and it could be you know it's time and money are the big i think they're the key things i think with 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 life generally so getting more time to be able to do the things that you want to do not everything costs money you know it could be i want to be able to take the kids to school um not that i I have kids but i'm just generalizing um or i want to be able to you know walk around the park for an hour or two hours a day without worrying about anything. You know, there's plenty of things that you can do that doesn't involve money. But I think either way, you've got to have something where you go, I want to be able to pick and choose what I do mm. with my time and how, how I do that. And to me, that that's what I think I aspire to. And I, I think a lot of people aspire to that ability of choice uh, to choose what you do with your days. It, uh, it frees up. It, money kind of frees up things, doesn't it? Zig Zagler said, um, Money's not the you know money's not the be all and end all. It's not everything, but it ranks quite highly up against air and oxygen, and yeah. um, and that's about about the level of it really. It's it's yeah. you know you you do need it to get you get on in the world and do stuff, yeah. um, and uh, and and that's yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's nothing to be uh, nothing to be ashamed of in any way, is it? To to say you know have these these targets. It's what you do with it that counts in, in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me, it's like, yeah, look, hey, I, I, I want to earn money. I want to, um, you know, generate lots of money, but it's for the good that I can do with it. 
Jim yeah. Rohn, another another guy that uh, that I like, Jim Rohn, he says, um, I just, bearing in mind this quote was from back in the 80s, so the figure might have changed now, but it, he says, um, you know, uh, have a plan to become a millionaire, not for the money, but what it will make of you, you know, the, yeah. the journey. Um, yeah. and, and that's probably as important as, as actually making the money is all of the things that you go through, all of those experiences and, and making you who you are, what you are. Yeah, the other thing as well, I think that is important to me and building the team. I enjoy building. <coughs> All right, try that again. Um, yeah, the other thing that I think is important to me is building teams. I really enjoy building a team of people and growing and developing and helping people to become like their own level of success. And I, I love the fact that over the years, I've lost count, but the number of houses that have been bought by people who never believed they could buy that they would be able to own their own home mm. as a result of working within uh, within one of my businesses and yeah, growing sure. themselves and their own salaries and things like that, and and get to a point where they're confident and comfortable enough to go and buy you know buy a house for themselves. Even people that have done it on their own as well, not even in, as a couple. And and I I take a lot of pride from little bits like that where people have you know made their own little success stories out of things uh and and i like to be on we've had uh one of the lads has recently left us you know we've had somebody move on in their career uh, a guy called jack and and he, he was great he was really good a really good guy really friendly guy got on really well with everybody uh, but he's moved on to a, another position and the new position is brilliant for him it's exactly what he wants to do and and things like that helping people to get to the next level in their career and looking back through people that have worked for me in the past who are now uh, in significant roles in their current businesses and and I, I i do like to think i've helped to play a part in that you know over time by helping developing mentoring and training people and to me that's part of the success story as well i i, I enjoyed that bit and I, I like to see those successes handed down it's like leaving a, a little legacy in someone's life. Yeah. Isn't it? They, 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 they may thank you for it. They may not necessarily thank you for it. Um, but at some point, they'll realize that actually you, you did a, a really good job in, in helping them and developing them and leading them to imp improvements in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's many, um, the difference between being a boss and a leader, but there's many bosses that would be, you know, ultra critical of someone deciding to leave and go to a new role. And, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and I've worked in places where the people that leave are, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, people that leave are all, all of a sudden sort of on the blacklist that, you know, the name is, is, is muck. And it's like, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, don't almost kind of don't speak to them. You know, don't, don't talk to them. You know, they're, they are, uh, traitors almost and um, yeah. rather rather than just lifting them like you say actually this is this is perfect for you and where you need to be and where you need to grow and like go go for it and you've got my blessing and I, I wish you all the best and encouragement yeah. and uh, and do that and I think it helps in the future as well because when you leave on such good terms and you and you're not trying in as you said you're not trying to blacklist the person or make them out to be an enemy um, if you if you leave those things on good terms, you never know. Things change. Like business, our business develops. We might get to a point where again the role that is perfect for for, for Jack in the future is actually with us, and and it makes it so much easier to get people to come back at a time when it might be more suitable. I got uh, I, I got what I'm claiming to be a record of uh, four trainee solicitors. Um, I'm, my job as as a as a as a principal treat, uh, trainer. 
uh, for trainings is to you know get them involved in the law get them experience get them looking at all different areas and this that and the other so that they become a, a good future lawyer and i think i've got a record of having four trainees that, that, that <laughs> did their training contract and then decided that they never wanted to be a lawyer ever again thanks very much <laughs> and uh, and i like to think that that that's not it that sounds like it's a negative thing but it's it's not it was because actually um i, I i've helped them to realize that you know maybe what they had some focus on wasn't wasn't uh really what they wanted in life and um yeah. you know doing something else might have been uh, an, an option for them all that law wasn't all it was painted to be in uh, when they were at university but uh, there you go they're all happy now and uh, and the, and the, the other trainees that's still in law probably aren't so <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it so uh joe i think uh, i think I've probably taken enough of your time uh, on it it's been it's been really interesting i've made a few uh, few notes in terms of uh, in terms of um, what we've talked about as you know one of my one of my aims is to really kind of look at compiling what people's um what i'm calling laws of success are what are those things that the the sort of immutable laws of being in business, being in life, that you you know you would say, look, do do this, and, and then I personally will achieve the success that I've defined, uh, not not by anyone else's standards. My success. This is what I do, and and pulling out some of the points. So um, one is is like being able to say no, um, being selective in terms of you know the, for for you the clients um, and the, the the customers that you have. Uh, with it I think um, having a plan uh, clearly is something that you would say that is really important uh, to you've, you've got that in both life and business um, and, uh, and and doing that um, I think the fact that you are uh, linked to that plan is being goal and target driven that is working for you that's one of your 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 laws it's like you know okay if you're going to do this then you know you've got to you've got to be ambitious you've got to set your goals and you've got to set your targets um i, I made a note of of this and i just wanted to come back to it i made a note you mentioned uh, like having a coach and having a mentor do you think that that is up there with you know being uh, being one of your laws of success do you think that's it's that important to have somebody else alongside you I think it is, particularly for solo business owners. Obviously, when you've got multiple people in the business, you've got more people to bounce ideas off. You've got more people to be accountable to and things like that, which definitely helps. Uh, obviously, I've always been in business partnerships where there's been me and at least one other. Uh, but even now I do, I'm part of a group called TAB, the Alternative Board, and that's a peer group. And and also you get coaching as part of part of that as well. I obviously coach other business owners as well, IT business owners, and it makes a massive difference for them because they're getting that almost experience and guidance. So, so I, I think it is important, particularly if you haven't got an experienced kind of uh, team around you as as co-founders. I think it's really important to have a uh, have a coach or a mentor. Is there any anything else off that uh, that list that I just read out that you think? Yeah, do you know what I would put that up there in terms of what I think everyone should do, or at least you do, uh, and it's really important. Yeah, well, I think I think focus and focus on the customer is is massive. Uh, we've got to where we're at without spending much on marketing at all, and and that's mainly driven around being customer completely customer service focused what can we do to make the customer so happy with what we do that they want to shout about it 
to to others. And I mean, we, it's not just doesn't just apply to you know SMEs, small business owners, and things like that. you. Uh, I use Monzo Bank and Starling Bank, and and they barely. I mean, I know they've started to advertise now, but they've built their business almost entirely off people talking about them yeah. and saying how good they are. Yeah. And and so it can happen at every level. If you can if you can focus purely on the customer experience and the customer service that you're delivering, then your marketing budgets are going to be a lot lower than everyone else's. Yeah, it was um I I first heard of that from um uh the star the guy that owns Starbucks and started Starbucks how how Howard Schultz his name is um and his the Starbucks mission uh was to um I can't remember the exact wording but so it, it was to basically make uh make their customers absolutely delighted or something mm-hmm. like that absolutely delighted I think was the the phrase every customer that goes in needs to walk out with you know this was a brilliant experience I really enjoy it and I'm going to come back here and and no level below that uh, was it and um and, and that's I think is a really good uh, way of doing it. Um, another book that I read uh, a couple of years ago, and he's recently died. Tony Shea, um, the guy that uh, founded uh, what did he found um, some shoe company online that Amazon eventually brought. Amazon brought the business not for the shoes, not for the shoe side of things really, more than the the customer service approach to it. And um, and his uh, his philosophy was just like do whatever makes the customer happy and so he went into an industry where you're selling shoes online you know people want to try the shoes on so it was all about well yeah order what you want send them back you know that kind of thing and if anyone had any issues or questions it was like here's just a you know a full refund but then often they'd go over and above and they gave the they sort of delegated the customer service staff you know, like pretty much an unlimited amount of goodwill you know, mm. so if you've got a customer that was really unhappy, they turn around and go, "Hey, look, we're going to refund it, keep the shoes, and you know what? I'm going to also send you some, you know, some 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 gift or something like this, and go oh, properly over and above what the expectations are." Because when you do that, people go, "Wow, yeah, mm. that's that's good." And so if you can yeah. deliver that kind of service, yeah, you 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 say it's um it spreads like wildfire. Yeah, you're doing something that not, not many people are. Yeah, uh, uh, I think my final law and and a book recommendation, as you've just done one, um, is um, Daniel Priestley's Oversubscribed. Yeah, uh, I recommend all of Daniel Priestley's books, but mm. Oversubscribed particularly for me resonates the most with people because again, it goes back to some of the things that we've already mentioned. But one of the things that we've done is we limit how many clients we take on. That's for customer service to make sure we keep standards high, and it also limits well, it limits everything. It means that. If we get 10 leads a month, we only need to win one of them. So we pick. That goes back to picking your clients. If we only need to pick one out of 10, we can pick the right one every time. And because we're oversubscribed, because there's a bit of a waiting list to get on board with us, it it increases demand, you know, and, and it maintains our pricing. We never need to drop pricing. We never need to discount because the demand is always there to keep uh, to keep our service levels high. So So, yeah, that's another thing I'd say. Yeah, good. It's a it's a good one and uh, and and a great book, um, uh, a great book, and like you say, actually, great great range of books. Um, so uh, yeah, so Joe, thanks very much for for coming on. Do you want to? Um, where can people find you if they wanted to uh, to get on that waiting list and use your services, or just learn a little bit more about you on social media? Where could they find you? Yeah, well, I'm always pretty active on LinkedIn. That's my favourite 
place to go tell people what I'm up to and what we're doing. So if you're not connected with me on LinkedIn, then please look me up. Uh, hopefully you can provide a link or something uh, on there. And, yeah. uh, and also uh, Reformed IT is the business. Uh, so we've got a great team. Uh, if you do want to talk to us about uh, IT managed IT services or managed IT security, then uh, yeah, get in touch with us by Googling Reformed IT and you should find us. Perfect stuff. And then a little bit later on today, you're back out in the aeroplane. I am, yeah, half on. I've got another lesson at a different, a different. So I normally fly out of East Midlands and um, I'm going to Derby. Uh, so it's a grass runway at Derby. So it'll be a bit different, um, bit different to the there. to the big tarmac at uh, East Midlands. How, how long are you out for? Uh, an hour. So where, where, obviously you'll need to do a circle of some sort to get back. So where do you kind of go? You just go over the, like the, the Peak District, somewhere like that? Well, it's normally from from where, uh, from East Midlands, I kind of fly over my house quite a lot uh, in uh, in Elkiston. So so yeah, I tend to go across Nottingham, uh, Hook, all, all around like kind of the uh, Nottinghamshire area. I, I always go from East Midlands to the north. Um, so, and then yeah, do the exercises there. I'm kind of at the point where I'm doing circuits now though. So I won't be going so much out. It's just laps of East right. Midlands airport, uh, take off landing, take off landing. And, and, and you do that lots of times. So. Okay. Interesting. So how, how long do you have left until you become a, a, like get your pilot's license? Well, I had a bit of a gap, which was a bit frustrating. So, but having targets in place as to when I wanted to do this by the end of the year, um, I kind of went, I gave myself a bit of a kick and went, right, I need to get back on it and I need to start doing more lessons. So I had, um, so I had a lesson yesterday, a lesson t- uh, today and uh, had one at the weekend. So I'm stepping it up. I'm having quite a few at the moment at different uh, flying schools. Uh, hopefully, uh, I've done about 15 or so hours, 15, 16 hours so far of flying. You need to do at least 45, plus there's a lot of ground exams that you've got to do as well. Uh, so I need a lot of revision in. So hopefully by the end of this year, by um, hopefully by the end of this calendar year, um, I should have done enough to get my private pilot's license, if I can get all the exams done as well. Fantastic stuff. Joe, thanks for coming on uh, the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Um, I will uh, I will, will end it there. I will, sh- when, when it's out, I'll share it. I'll tag you in the posts um, and hopefully people listen and get, get lots of value out of it. So thanks very much for coming along. It's been great. Thanks for your time.